Hey everyone, just wanted to give you a quick heads up that there were some technical issues with this episode. With the microphone, there was some cutting, so we had to cut a little bit, and there's a little bit of popping going on. And additionally, there is some swearing in this episode, so use discretion when you share with kids. Thanks. Like, but we're going to do it. You, you want to cue us in? Okay. One, two, three. See, oh, okay. Got you. Got you. Yeah. That was cool, too. Yeah. I know. We sound great. We start a, Did that come through, Melody? <laughs> yep <laughs> okay we're, we're buzzing our lips we'll we'll do a gif afterwards of it yeah. uh so that yeah uh, we'll, we'll like post everyone can on see our it. instagram so everybody can participate in the singing world what do people refer to that warm-up as buzzing buzzing uh yeah as like uh oof, i don't know it's not really a siren it's kind of a siren because you go up and down um but just lip trill lip trills that's what lip it is. trill yeah he did mm. use that phrase okay cool okay shout out kenny my vocal coach for powering through an hour of my my bullshit welcome to artistic beginnings hey i'm melody and i'm mitch today we're super excited because we have our very first guest for you guys our first guest is joe kwan i knew him as a software engineer when i first started out working in los angeles he's also a producer and writer of music he also performs with a really great band yeah a fun fact about joe as well he likes in sync more than backstreet boys he also gives you a bunch of really great insight into how he makes life work pursuing the arts on the side and also continuing his career as an engineer so let's get into it what were you working on um, I brought him a couple of originals because we're playing a show in December. And so I was just trying to get like performance ready. Um, okay. And kind of the main objective is I have a very kind of like lazy right up on the mic singing style, right? That's just kind of like what my voice is. And so I came to him because I was like, I like need to figure out how to actually project so that people can hear what I'm saying. Because it sounds pretty good on a recording with like a ton of compression and like being able to mess with the volume. But if there's like a full band around me, like just... learning how to actually sing and so that was that was interesting going into that because it was kind of like how do i maintain like the quiet lazy qualities of my voice while being loud and it almost felt oxymoronic but he was like yeah it's totally possible you just have to practice like certain things and like shaping your mouth so that it's like a speaker and all these things that i've never really had to think about because i'm not a singer you know so and you know all about that stuff because you were doing your your singing group stuff for a long time, I'm guessing. We've never actually gone into the history of you singing, but I'd, I'd be interested in hearing about that at some point. Yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll talk about that at some point. And yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll talk about this after the podcast, actually, probably, like cool. just to give you a little background. But yeah, did he talk to you like about like all the, the breath support? And like, it sounds like you went over technique stuff, but mm-hmm. like, was it mostly just the shape of your mouth, making sure that it's open and kind of like, uh, like wide so that like the sound actually goes through? Or was there any like... Yeah, I mean, so we only met for an hour, so we haven't gotten super into the weeds of it. Um, mostly technique stuff. And then and kind of like posture stuff, I like have this tendency to like, I'll like start tilting to the right for whatever reason when i'm singing and so like by the end of a run he'd be like you need to like adjust and like stand straight and blah 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 um but breathing stuff i definitely want to get into in future lessons with him posture and breathing are the two things everybody forgets about first and are the two most important things to remember when you're singing um for sure because you know you're you breathe automatically and you stand automatically. So you're like, I don't need to worry about that stuff. But mm-hmm. when it comes to singing, it has so much to do with everything. So I think that's awesome that that's what you're focusing on first. Yeah, for sure. Are you a singer too, Melody? I take it. I am. Yeah, yes. cool. Did you admit? <laughs> it would be ironic if I <laughs> wasn't with my name. <laughs> oh, that's true. Did you guys do like brother, sister singing stuff growing up? Uh, we did two shows together. Um, yeah. 
We nice. did Sound of Music and then Winnie the Pooh, uh, a Christmas. I love that. Thing. Yeah, it was cool. great. Um, but yeah, we didn't really. I mean, like we we did when <laughs> we did like mini concerts, like when we would go down to visit our grandparents in Florida, um, where we sure. would just both sing like three songs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You did. You did the Florida um, circuit. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The Florida circuit. But we would audition together all the time too, because you know our age difference was perfect for a lot of shows. Um, so, oh, we did. Oh no, I already said sound music. Then I'm going crazy. It's fine. Um, but yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Lip trills. Lip trills. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so awesome. So we've got the, the, the warm up down. So we've actually talked a little bit more about Melody and I than anything. So thanks for those questions, man. That's really great. Um, but um, let, let's introduce you. So um, this guy here, uh, software engineer uh, for uh, an educational app uh, for, for a major musical company that does uh, uh, education for like guitar, uh, th- those kind of instruments, mm-hmm. the string instruments and everything. Guitar, bass, and ukulele right now. Yep. Super yeah. awesome. Um, also on the side, you're, you're producing music and you're, you're a part of a band as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... I um, have kind of been a lifelong musician as a hobby. Um, if if we want, we like I can just kind of get into origin story stuff. Yeah, th- like let's let, let's start off with uh, where where it all began for sure. Um, so I'm from Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I was um, born to Filipino American immigrants that are Filipino immigrants that settled down in Anchorage, Alaska. There's kind of like a whole story there, but I was born in Alaska. Um, in terms of music, I I was thinking about this and I was talking about this with my friend. One of the first like experiences that I remember having as a kid where I was like, oh, I really like, really like this kind of music was boy bands. Cause I was like watching a ton of like Disney and Nickelodeon and stuff like that. And so you'd see like NSYNC and, and Backstreet Boys and stuff on TV. And that was the first time I was like, oh man, like this is like music that's like new and coming out stuff that's my, that my parents aren't playing that is just like fun to dance to and blah, blah, blah. And so I remember that came up um, pretty early on. Um, and then stuff on the, I remember finding hip hop on the radio cause I was like playing in my garage when I was, I was like seven or eight or something like that and just flipping through radio stations. And oh, Anchorage Alaska's first hip hop radio station, I think it was 92, 92.9. They were playing Supersonic by JJ Fad. And so this was like mid nineties and I remember landing on this. I was like, what is this? Like, I've never heard any before, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and then that song and I got five on it. Do you remember, you guys remember that song? Do you remember I got five on it? Yeah. Okay. Melody knows what's up. So I was a child. I had no idea like what I got five on it meant or anything like that. But I just remember loving that beat and, and that melody and everything like that. And I'd like, make my dad put that song on in the car, which is kind of funny for a kid. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we actually did this, but uh, I think you mentioned Joseph earlier, but we haven't actually introduced your name. Uh, you're, oh, yeah. You're, you're Joe. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to give it a shot. Quanon? Uh, it's, it's pretty close. So, yeah, Quanon. Quanon. Uh, yeah, so if we're, if we're talking like the like Tagalog pronunciation, it's probably like Quanon. Quanon? Yeah, because uh, there's this whole story. There used to be a G at the end of our last name, so it was Quanong, which, like, if you're not, you know, if you don't really know how, how Tagalog works, like, that's much more palatable. So just pronounce, uh, pretend it's that without the G at the end. 
but you can say Quanin. That's what I've been saying my whole life. Okay. Yeah. Great. Because you're also pronouncing, I, I pronounced it Tagalog. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, which like the Girl Scout cookies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the language of the Philippines, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not pronounced yeah, like I said. Tagalongs. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tagalongs and Samoas. Delicious. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, m- my full name is Joseph Carlo Belmonte Quanan. Well, welcome. That's like my full legal name. You I don't have that. to put that in the podcast, but... We're putting it in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so mitch you know me as joe a lot of people kind of say that i've most people that i've met before this year i have kind of always known me as joe and call me joe and for whatever reason when i like switched jobs earlier this year i like kind of had this idea of like i'm gonna reclaim my full name like i because I, I don't really remember like as a kid like oh yeah call me joe i think it was one of those things where people st- started calling me joe i was like oh i didn't really have a say in the matter because i was like five but now that it's like I had this opportunity to do it. So if you talk to anyone from um, that's met me probably since like March, they like only know me as Joseph. Wonderful. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Is your name Mitchell? Yeah. And does anyone call you Mitchell? My mother. And <laughs> there's this uh, friend from college, Jen, who calls me Mitchell. She uh-huh. was an RA of uh, my best friend, Devin, from college. Was she calling you Mitchell as like a, like a, she's an artist. So she was like talking down on you, like, don't do that, Mitchell. No smoking weed in the dorms, Mitchell, like that kind of thing. Well, the positive thing is like, I wasn't in her dorm essentially. Oh, so okay. I was like just the the cool friend the of friend. like her son. Yeah, you're the friend. So yeah. that she liked. Oh, so okay. uh, I, I think it was more an endearing thing. So it was respect, respect yeah. for the full name. I hope so. Okay. Um, yeah, no, she's great. Nice. Um, but yeah, her and I mean, Melody sometimes, but Melody less frequently. Yeah. But, so yeah. do you prefer Joe now? Like, should I change to, sorry, should I change to Joseph? Do you prefer Joseph? I, I think I do prefer Joseph now, but I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, no, don't call me Joe, blah, blah, blah. You know, because you've known me as Joe for years. So yeah. you can call me whatever you want. But right, yeah, but man. Still, like, it's, yeah. You know. yeah. Yeah. It's a name thing. Yeah. Um, Melody, is your full name Melodious? I wish. <laughs> no. Um, but it can be yeah <laughs> honestly yeah <laughs> no i Melodious. people call me mel or melody or i don't know mel dog is mel dog common, yeah yeah that's a common one and by um, the family we, we call her meldoy meldoy oh that's cool <laughs> yeah a, a little bit of a flip of the letters yeah yeah Start that? Did she I, start that? No, I think my mom mispronounced <laughs> it once on accident. Mel- your, no! your own do you mother. The actual, do you want to know the actual story? Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> it was on, I can't remember if it was my first, um, when I joined SAG, they misspelled my name, Melody, Meldoy. as Meldoy on like four of my checks. So I was Meldoy <laughs> Hollis for like half a year <laughs> in the legal eyes yeah. of SAG-AFTRA. Um, and then it just stuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sag after is the ultimate authority in anything to do with our oh, identities. Yes, so yes, it is, it you is might as well roll with it. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Meldoy has made more money than Melody. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Is that what your IMDB page says? Is Meldoy? Honestly, it should. At this point, I should just be Meldoy. It's so much, it rolls off the tongue so much better. <laughs> cool. It would probably be easier to find a domain for your name, too. It would be, yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who did kind of a similar thing. This was, uh, this before we knew each other where he like he was known by one thing and he switched to the other and he told me later that 
the name that he ended up choosing was better for SEO. And that's why he ended up doing it. <laughs> he like, cause his, his like last name that he was using before, like was pretty generic and there was a lot of people that had it. Um, but he switched to his mother's maiden name, which is a lot more unique. So that's totally a thing. Yeah, yeah. no, it is. I yeah. mean, there are so many actors that like have to take stage names because they can't, um, there's already oh, yeah. one that exists. Oh yeah. And Mitch and I have gone through that whole dance at our at the the company that we worked at together about unique names and everything like that so that was very much a thing Mm -hmm. in this world yeah you want to talk a little bit about that like any anything from your experience at um we we worked uh actually joe and i uh used to work at uh breakdown services Mm -hmm. we did um yeah so i i started there as a software engineer in early 2016 and you were working in the customer support department i was yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I came into that without really having any experience or context around the casting or acting world or anything like that. I was coming at it from kind of just the technology angle. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was that was an inter- interesting experience. We overlapped for what, probably a year, maybe? Yeah, about a year. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we learned a lot. Like, it, it's kind of interesting that um, the work that you do is... Uh, the software that you've been working on has primarily been in the entertainment industry as, as far mm-hmm. as I understand it. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, breakdown services slash actors access was kind of my, my first foray into it. Um, and I, th- I think it was just cool because joining, there were a lot of people that were doing like non-acting roles, but were actors. Right. And so that's mm-hmm. a big part of like why you and Melodious are starting this podcast and everything like that um, is, is, the creative aspect to professional life. And so I mostly worked on kind of enterprise-y products that casting directors and agents used, right? Mm -hmm. And so this whole process of there's this new role that's being cast and we need some sort of platform for people to submit their headshots and their resumes. And then we need um, a, a way for for agents to kind of bundle and package up those submissions and then finally send them to casting directors to review and make decisions based on, right? So that's that's mostly what I worked on while I was there was kind of modernizing those platforms. Um, a lot of that stuff had kind of been built in the late 90s, early 2000s and hadn't really been touched up in a while. And so I got hired as part of this new team that would kind of come in and, and audit the technology stack and, and make recommendations based on how things could be rebuilt or improved and, and stuff like that. Um, ended up joining as one of two uh, front-end engineers. And by the time I left, that team was about four or five people. So we saw some some good growth on that team and, and definitely um, started shepherding that, that whole product in a better direction technology-wise. Yeah, I think you guys were doing some good work. And it's, it's interesting because I, I found that Particularly with your approach, um, I, I really appreciated the collaboration aspect of of the work that you were doing. Um, is there a certain reason why you you did that? Is that just kind of how you operate? Like, where did that kind of collaboration spirit kind of come from? Yeah, for sure. Well, so I came into it without a traditional kind of computer science background. Um, for context, I studied economics as an undergrad. Um, that was because I graduated high school in two thousand eight. And so my last year, my last year of high school was kind of the major 2007 financial crisis, right? Like I remember being in a high school, uh, in in high school, like maybe even in AP economics or something like that, when like Lehman Brothers collapsed. And I just remember hearing that news, and and on the news, everything was just like the world was falling apart, 
or at least the financial system. Um, and so I remember coming into college just very curious about what was going on from kind of like a zeitgeist perspective. And so that's why I ended up choosing my major um, as economics. Um, by the time I had graduated in 2012, it, it was one of those things where it's like, I felt like I'd invested like four years, like studying a specific topic. So I felt like I should kind of like do something in that world. Um, so I ended up, my first job out of college was, was a mortgage bank. And I kind of joined this rotational program where you rotated various departments and functions um, operations, processing, underwriting, customer service, that kind of thing. So I was doing a lot of different things um, in in banking. And my day-to-day very much involved a lot of like, <clears throat> excuse me, like clicking through workflows to move money around basically, right? And so a lot of the training that you go through for like six months is like, okay, when this situation happens, this is the sequence of of buttons and drop downs and things that you type to get from A to B um, so that we can eventually move our money around. And throughout that process, I was much more interested in how to make those processes more efficient more than anything, right? Like I wasn't really, I mean, I was, I was interested in it, but there would be like certain processes where it would take maybe 15 to 30 seconds to complete, but I would have to do it dozens of times a day. And it got to the point where it was like, it was uh, kind of an annoying to the point where I would, and this wasn't part of my essential job responsibilities or anything. I would like write up um, IT requests and, and just outline, oh, I think that this process could be automated in this way and this way and this way. And I would write it up and I would like send it out to the IT department. Um, they, um, obviously noticed that I was doing that a lot. <laughs> and eventually a product manager kind of reached out to me or maybe I like solicited his advice and he was kind of just like, hey, it seems like you want to do this more than you want to be like in the financial services part of this world. You should just learn how all that stuff works. Um, and so I started learning um, how to code, I guess, um, nights and weekends, just like whatever free and like cheap resources online that I could find. And I did that for about a year before transitioning. Um, But to answer your question about like collaboration, I think like, because of that whole experience in banking, the way that I approached it was, was always like, was always user centric, because the things that I was thinking about in the processes that I wanted to improve were always like, at the end of the day, like technology is great, and automation improves a lot of efficiencies and things like that. But the end result is also is always like some human that gets some benefit out of it, right? And I remember having this experience um, where I was rotating through the customer service department. Um, we were just getting trained in it. Um, and so I was taking calls one day and we kept getting calls that were like, hey, can you tell me if my mortgage payment went through, right? And so we had this entire online platform or uh, this this UI that's ostensibly for people to go on and make their mortgage payment. And people were so confused by it because like the UI was like there weren't the necessary affordances that like confirmed that the payment had been completed. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal. Like if, you know, if, if you're not sure if your mortgage payment has gone through and you kind of just ignore it and don't do your due diligence, like you might get a late payment reported on your credit report. You might get foreclosed on is as the absolute worst case. And so I remember getting a couple of those calls just in one day. And I was like, why, why is it so confusing for people? And I remember going on to that, that UI and, and, and it being kind of obvious, like, oh, I don't know if I would know either um, if my payment had gone through. And so I kind of, I 
copied. I don't know if you guys remember uh, Domino's Pizza Tracker. Do you yes. guys remember that? It's I like, love Domino's. Yeah, Domino's it's so it, <laughs> it's like it's like the very obvious three step. You know where exactly in the process that you are. I like lifted that that exact design paradigm and I put together this project request to apply to our mortgage processing our payment processor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that project ended up, ended up being one of the first like major things that I kind of had a hand in, and it went out into the world. And I remember like hearing the numbers on like, hey, the the number of calls that have uh, come in just to confirm that a payment's gone through has like dropped precipitously. And I was I just remember the feeling of like, oh, like something like design, something like product and technology can have you know really big impacts on people. And so that was one of my first experiences, and I think I like kind of carried that with in terms of that like user centricity because like at the end of the day like those people are why we have jobs right and so like anything that we can do to help them achieve their goal that the technology that we're building is supposed to help them achieve like that should be everything and so i think that's why like maybe that's a benefit of not going through the traditional like computer science route is because like when i look at something like yeah sure like like algorithmic efficiency and blah 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 like that that's important it'll it'll help with um with efficiency and stuff like that but i always have in the back of my mind when i'm working on something like how does this actually help the person that that we're supposed to be helping and so when i when we got to break down services and we were working on stuff uh, for actors access specifically i think like i remember thinking that the support team that's the team that mitch was on like you, you guys were just a treasure trove of what is actually going to benefit the user because they're calling in with their grievances, probably their suggestions, or even, you know, even if they're just calling for help on how to like do X, Y, or Z, like those are really helpful data points on, hey, people are calling on this constantly because our UI doesn't do a good job of helping them do it, right? And so I think, I think to answer your question, that's why I have it in the back of my head is because the whole reason that I'm here to begin with is because... I saw it from the perspective of improving these processes for for people and not necessarily for my own like kind of intellectual growth or anything like that if that's a fair way to put it. Yeah, that's a very long story. I'm sorry if that bored the shit out of you guys, but yeah, that that's pretty much what happened. No, it's it's fascinating cuz you know, it's you know, it's about people. It's about the user's experience. And I think a lot of people don't think about that or realize, you know, that's why you do the things you do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and I'd, I'd like to turn that over. To, um, it sounds like you, you spend a lot of time and, and a lot of thought in the work that you're doing in these kind of pieces. And mm-hmm. that takes a lot of brain power and uh, it takes a lot of your like effort and time. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you make time to also do all of the other things that you're doing? <laughs> and have the balance in your life to get up in the morning yeah um it's it's taken a couple of steps in terms of i think we need to talk a lot to a lot of people who kind of are in like the finance or banking kind of world one of the phrases that you hear the most is soul crushing (laughs) because it's like it's one of those things where it's like it's it's a high paying industry, but the work life balance isn't great. Um, mm. And so that for like if you're if you're in it, that that's a a big motivator to to get into something new is to just not be in that world anymore. You know what I mean? And so 
when I was when I was still working at a mortgage company, I just remember like my personal motivator when I would get home and like I could just like make dinner and sit on the couch and watch TV, or I could spend a few hours coding. It was always just like, okay, if I can do this persistently enough for six months or a year, I'll have the experience that I need to make that switch. And so when I was in when I was in that phase, that was kind of my personal motivator was was getting out, right? Um, and then once I got into the technology world, it was kind of like, I had to do a lot of exploration on like what kind of lifestyle I wanted, because when you go into tech, there's, you can go to an established big company and you kind of like are maybe a cog in a machine, but your the expectations are only 40 hours a week. So you know, you're going to have that work-life balance, right? That's on one side of the spectrum. The other side is you can join a startup where like your work is going to be your life. Right. And there's a lot of like, there's maybe more camaraderie and and maybe like the mission is something that's more of a motivator. But it, if you end up sacrificing money and time because of that, then you, ju- you just have to like figure out f- for you personally and your value set and what kind of lifestyle you want to have, like where on that spectrum do you fall? And I, I think for me, it just, it took some, it took a couple of years of trying different jobs and different sizes of companies to try to, to try to figure that out and to get to get back to your question Mitch um now that I've kind of figured out where I fall on that spectrum I am much more of a get the work-life balance kind of person because then that does give me the time and the resources to to pursue the creative um interest that I have right because it's kind of like I was making music when I was a kid and I was in school and stuff my problem then was that I had like all the time in the world, but no money. And now it's like the complete inverse. And so it's, it's funny because it's not something that you like. For me, at least, I didn't intend to do that. It was just kind of like I was focused on my career for a few years. And then once I got to a point where my career felt steady and I was on this upward trajectory and I had kind of like the privilege and the resources that, that I was fortunate enough to to get and to still have, I thought like, oh, I can do this again. You know what I mean? I can do this doing as a kid for fun, but as an adult <laughs> and like, let's, let's see what happens. And so now having, having gone through all that now, my, I feel like my internal motivation is like purely for the sake of it. Honestly, this is something that you and I have talked about before where if I have like a free Saturday and I sit down in the morning and I just start recording stuff and i have a song by the end of the day and i'm like i just had a blast doing it and i love listening to it and stuff like that if if nothing else like if no one else in the world hears it like the kind of like nourishment of my soul and spirit that that helped me do if that's all it then then that's more than enough for me and and i want to dig into that but there's been an uh, a nagging thing in the back of my head that uh recalling from something you said earlier you said that uh you were your first foray into listening to music and that kind of stuff and like things that really pulled you in was like backstreet boys and nsync yeah did you have a preference oh um it was close but nsync yeah why <laughs> i think- this is important to know Okay. I'm I'm hoping that this this stands like the fact checking part of it, but I think what happened is that I w- I just really like the co- the whole kind of like Max Martin thing. 
like his like songwriting style. And I didn't realize it at the time, but like all of the music that I loved back then, it was very much that just kind of like that style of pop music. Um, it's funny though, because like, so NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. And then I remember when like 98 Degrees came on and I was like, so you were a 98 Degrees guys? That guy? was me. Okay. What's funny is like, I remember even as a kid, those guys came on the scene. I was like, they'll never be NSYNC. They'll never be Backstreet Boys. Like I was being so elitist about it. And I was like a little kid. <laughs> but um, yeah, they were, they were good too. Yeah. <laughs> I chose them because they were, they were lesser known. Um, oh, okay. So you were, <laughs> so you were a hipster. Yeah. <laughs> I I was the OG hipster person. That's me. pretty funny. Um, I, I was not. <laughs> I do have to say though. So after all the boy band stuff and like the hip hop stuff that I was discovering on my own, one of like the the turning points for me in terms of like my music taste is. So I grew up in Anchorage, and we we're like kind of isolated. Anything in terms of like culture and arts and entertainment, we're basically getting from. If you talk to people in, in Alaska, we call it the lower 48. That's what like the contiguous 48 st- United States are, are called. And so I had this cousin, this older cousin in Seattle um, that we were like friends on AIM or whatever. AOL Instant Messenger, right? And so like we would talk and, you know, do you remember back in the day, like you could edit like your little profile and like put stuff in it. I don't know if you guys were big AIM users. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I remember that. Um, but anyway, long story short, that cousin got me into Eric Badu, and that shit like changed my life. I was probably in like late elementary school or early middle school. And I remember hearing that and, and just like that, like really stuck with me. And like, to this day, I love like Neo soul and R and B. And so that was, yeah. So shout out to my cousin, Jonaly for getting me into, into Eric Badu. The connections of, of people that you, you have to different, um, music seems mm-hmm. to be like a, a pretty big impact, right? Um, would you say that anybody or any artist in particular has had a larger effect on you? Uh, and can you talk a little bit to like how that may have changed either your trajectory in terms of your artistic endeavors? Sure. When Napster first came out, do so you guys remember Napster, the P2P piracy side for music, right? Um, I remember one of my one of my friends told me about it, and then I went home and downloaded it. And I remember bringing my dad over. I was like, "Hey, there's this thing where you can download like any music that you want. Like, hit me. Like, what do you have?" And he had me download Led Zeppelin. Um, my dad was just like a big classic rock guy. And I had never really listened to them before. I was, I was a little kid when this happened. And so he had me download like, like Led Zeppelin and the Eagles so that I could burn a CD for him to like listen to in his car or whatever. Right. And so like, that's mm-hmm. definitely like one of the strongest and like most, most memorable like music things that I have. And so I just forever like associate Led Zeppelin with my dad and the Eagles and stuff like that. Um, so there's definitely, there's definitely that as a connection. Does um, does your dad like uh, support your like endeavors to do like this kind of artistic stuff on the side? Like how does? Oh, sure. I mean, my parents are so supportive. It's funny because it's like when you. I, I think there's almost kind of like a and this is going to get into some like kind of like heavy ratio too. <laughs> when there's like a there, there's like this meme or trope or stereotype of like the really strict Asian parent, right? That it's like if you're if if what you're doing isn't to support you becoming like a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, then they're not having it blah blah blah. My parents like were always just like, "Hey, if it makes you happy and you're not like homeless and if you have he- if you have health insurance, like fucking knock yourself out." <laughs> and like that's always that's been like yeah, that's like always been their mentality and so yeah, the, I've never really had to worry about like, "Oh, am I, am I letting down my parents blah blah blah." And maybe that's more of a Filipino thing because I think like 
I've had this conversations with other kind of like older Filipinos that are, that I've been kind of like mentors to me too. There's kind of a division between like certain Asian American parent philosophies of what you have is never good enough. You should always be striving for more, blah, blah, blah. And when I talk to Filipinos and I think about myself, it, it's always like from a point of gratitude, like, yeah, you should be, uh, obviously like you should have goals and ambitions, but like always be thankful for what you have because like more often than not, like where we came from is, was a much worse situation. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, that's heavy, but that's, that's, that's how I look at it. I think it's very, just like, um, if all you have to like eat for dinner is like a bowl of rice or something like that, like someone in the world doesn't even have that. So that, that's very much like, I, I try, I carry that a lot with me because it's like, when you're doing the music thing or anything with art or entertainment, especially in a place like LA, it's like, there's this natural inclination to come to compare yourself. Right. Or it's like when you meet other people that are doing it, you start collaborating with it. It's like, you can like approach it from this competitive angle, or you can approach it from like, you know, the fact that we get to pursue this at all and still have comfortable lives and a place to stay and, and food to eat at the end of the day. Like that's pretty fucking cool. And so like, that's, I try to remind myself when I'm like, having a bad day or whatever yeah yeah that's incredible yeah i i really like that and um coming coming from that that place of privilege both melody and i are are very much the same same kind of uh place right where we were given the space and the uh facility and all all the uh resources that we needed to support ourselves and pursue this because of of something that was completely out of anyone else's control yeah um and uh i i agree like it's really great to have that kind of gratitude for it and and we're always looking for ways to either give back to the community or or uh, make it so that others have the ability to like pursue this kind of thing are, mm-hmm. there, are there any things that uh like uh that you're aware of that um can kind of give people the opportunity to do that kind of giving back or any ideas that you can you can have to uh, kind of bring this community into a space where, where they can support more people. Sure. Sure. Well, so all that said, I do, I I do want to just quickly note that it's when you're in like a place of, of privilege and access, it's also very important to acknowledge and, and let it influence your actions that not everyone has that. Right. Because when people are pursuing art and stuff like that, not, everyone can have this kind of like laissez or this, yeah, the, this kind of casual approach that I have, because maybe if it doesn't work out for them, they don't have a place to stay or they don't have food to eat. So if anything, uh, I, w- I would say that like day to day, that is maybe an important thing to, to try to do. And just like how you treat people <laughs> is, is, is realize that like not everyone has the same privilege and access as you. And then in terms of giving back to the community, um, well, so I, I wish I had more concrete examples of, of like kind of giving back to the community stuff. I need to be better about that. But the one thing that I feel like has helped this journey is kind of just like this paid forward mentality in terms of like helping people who have an inclination or an interest in something creative like if you have any way of showing them that like, Hey, maybe the barriers aren't as high as you think. Um, 
that that I that I think is 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 a is something that has helped me out in terms of just like making me or helping me feel good about what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Because like other people have done it for me. Um, I kind of mentioned that when I was when I was uh, younger, I was making music and stuff, and w- pretty much throughout college and the early, the first few years of my of my professional career, I wasn't really doing it much. So I was pretty focused on my career, and I started meeting people kind of just casually who were doing the music thing. And for whatever reason, it was kind of just like the switch. And that's when I realized like, oh, like now that I'm an adult and I have a job and blah, 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 like I can do this again. And so like that, that changed my trajectory so much that whenever I meet someone now who is like, oh yeah, I like would love to make music, but I don't really know where to start. Like if, if we have an opportunity or like a couple minutes, just be like, okay, let me like show you how Ableton works. So let's go over like what kind of gear that you need, blah, blah, blah. Like my favorite thing is when you like show someone who's never really done it before. Like it's not that hard to to just get started to make something like right. And then like they like come back to you with like a song that they made. Like that's like the coolest fucking thing to me because it's like we all we all have like things that we can share. Um and it's just like if anything that's that's the only thing or like one of the only things that I to be kind of be like part of my legacy in terms of creativity is for for someone to be able to say that I like help them kind of break out of their shell or whatever if that makes sense totally yeah I mean I think that's so important and I think that um you know the arts community as a whole is very much about giving back and helping each other out and you know giving information to people who are just starting out or you know Mm -hmm. helping anyone out I think that's wonderful and I think that's one of the best ways to give back is to just open yourself up to help other people and help them open doors and all that fun stuff yeah for for anyone uh starting out in in any general artistic endeavor like do you have any like kind of advice that you've either either had or have gained wisdom on uh through kind of pursuing uh what you what you're doing while also maintaining your your full-time job yeah for sure i mean so i don't know if i'm in a position to give on it advice on this stuff but what i would say and this is more for just like something that i would have tried to do better starting out is to make sure you're in it for the right reasons you know what i mean because i think when you're living in a place like la or new york like if you come into it purely from like the money perspective or to make it bigger or whatever like i've seen like that just i feel like has that creates more of a risk for you to stress yourself out and like unfortunately like let that affect your art more than if you really just love it and you would be doing it anyway i think that like that applies to a lot of the technology stuff too um i think some of the best people that i've worked with like they would be tinkering with new technology and code for fun anyway right because just because they would love it whereas if you meet someone who's like oh yeah i learned how to do this because it's supposed to be a high-paying job then it's like there's a tendency there to to maybe even cut corners and so i think that applies to a lot of stuff it's just like make sure that you're really in it for the right reasons make sure that you like you're okay with it not working out because it's like that's kind of like the brutal reality of pursuing arts and entertainment right like purely from like a statistics and probability standpoint the default outcome is that it's not going to work out that's okay you know what i mean like if you're if you're in a headspace where it's like yeah like maybe i didn't reach this certain like level of acclaim or fame or wealth or anything like still okay with the experiences that you had like 
I, I at least would be pretty happy with that. And so like, yeah, that, that's, that's what I would tell myself going into this is like, because it can be exciting. Like when you're meeting people who are like, um, who are kind of doing it or whatever. And you say, you start to like, think about like, Oh, what if, what if I did it? Like, what if, what if I got that many listens or what if I blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it, it's tough to describe, but it's, that is part of what has kept me going at least is that as long as your like necessities are taken care of, you know what I mean? Anything else is just icing on the cake for me at least. Why would you say you are pursuing making music then? Why, why are you doing it? What's your motivation? I think a lot of it comes down to like self-expression in that to, to me, like one of my favorite pieces of like, kind of vague feedback when I show people my music is when someone is like, oh, like this sounds like you. This sounds like something you would make. You know what I mean? Um, like, I, yeah, some of the stuff that you've heard, like a, a lot of the, one of the things that I hear the most, it's like really like beachy and like laid back and blah, blah, blah. And you can dance to it. And like, that's all I, like, I think anyone who knows me personally, like that's all I'm just trying to do is kind of just like, I'm just glad to be here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's my approach to so many things that it's, it's cool that like who we are as people can be articulated and something that's not just like hanging out and talking in person. You know what I mean? And I think that applies to like visual media that applies to anything like you guys doing a podcast. It, it's like, as long as I, I feel like it may, makes sense for you, then that's, that's a, that's a big why as to why I do it. It's just, Sometimes there's something that could exist in this world and it doesn't yet, but you think that you could be a small part of helping that, of making that thing exist. You know what I mean? Um, that's, I think that's probably a reason why anyone does anything creatively. Um, yeah. Does that answer the question? I feel like I kind of sidestepped it maybe. No, it totally no. answers it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, we're going to have to play a little snippet of, of what you actually shared with me because oh, yeah. I, I do really enjoy it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll play it here. Yeah, um, we're going to be playing a bunch of like that style of songs live too. Yeah, tell, tell me more about the, the band. What um, How big is it? Like all the, all the details. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so... Um, Right now, so we've only we've only rehearsed like a, maybe like four or five times. This is still a, a pretty new project, um, but we have. Um, let's do alphabetical. Okay, we'll do alphabetical. And, and do you also have uh, the name of the the group? You know, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it because it's like tentative, but it's like I feel I'm just gonna say it. We're gonna be called Luxury Goods. Mm. I love that. Right. Um, I, I, I forgot what it was. I feel like it was Pharrell or something, but it was like, at the end of the day, like music should like make your listener feel good about the fact that they're listening to you. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's what luxury goods do for people. They make you feel good. Even if it's like, you can get into the nuances of like materialism and like late stage capitalism and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, sometimes (laughs) like having, having something nice can just like kind of lift your spirits a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, So we're yeah (laughs) luxury goods um so we have um we have my friend james on keyboard slash saxophone he's a very talented guy multi-instrumentalist jason on drums sean on bass 
And Randy, who I believe you know, because he was at Breakdown as well, he is playing guitar. And then myself also playing um, piano slash synth. Yeah, and so like in terms of in terms of style, I think we all listen to a groovy, beachy kind of like R&B stuff, like slight neo soul. Um, so that's kind of like the sound that we're trying to go for is like, we're trying to pull off like doing a modern sound without any computers involved. Like that's the big thing is like full analog. Like I'm playing a Rhodes piano. James is playing like a synthesizer and a saxophone and, you know, the drums are like in a, a drum kit and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, we're playing our first show in December. Um, how, how did you guys uh, start out the, the group? Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, Randy and Jason were two guys who, who very much helped me get back into music. They were like two guys that I met cause I worked with Randy, um, when I was still like pretty focused on my career and like seeing that they were like just making music for fun, like after work basically. And so they, they really helped me with just like learning, like if you're going to start producing music in, in like 2017 or whenever it was, like what kind of gear you need, what programs you need, like how that works, blah, blah, blah. They like were a big part of like helping me come out of my shell in terms of like realizing that this is something that's not like super like opaque and inaccessible. Um, and so uh, those guys and I have, and they make music with a ton of people and they have solo projects and stuff like that. And and so the three of us had been making music for a long time. Um, and then uh, James and Sean, I, I, I met at the the music company that I'm at now. And so, you know, since it's a music company, there's a lot of musicians there. People are like constantly just like jamming at the office. It's kind of like it's I kind of describe it like working at a guitar center. Like I'll just be like sitting there coding and then all of a sudden there will just be like a wailing blue solo down the hall and so that's just like <laughs> that's kind of just the environment that we're in like after work like people will like gather in conference rooms and jam and stuff like that and so like after a few months of like jamming with a lot of people i like found that i had a lot of chemistry with these two guys in particular and so when it came time to where like i was like uh, super positive reactions from people and like people were like starting to ask me like when are you going to start playing live blah 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 i thankfully just kind of like for every instrument or role in this band already kind of had someone in mind. And so I just set it up one day. We went to Bedrock Studios in Echo Park and I do, I, we brought the guys together and we just jammed for a few hours and it felt really good. So yeah, that, that's where we're at now. That's awesome. That's super awesome. Yeah. Who's like one of your biggest role models and why? Oh, that's a really good question. And you can do one for arts and for technology or for both or just life in general yeah i'll st- i'll start with life because i that's the one that's jumping out on me at me it's it's kind of an obvious one but honestly my parents they're like my mom and my dad are like some of my closest friends and, and my role models and i think like a lot of the stuff that we talked about before about gratitude and trying to pay it forward like at the time i didn't really realize it but that's just like the example that they were setting for me you know what i mean they're like very they're very hospitable and um and generous hosts mm. especially so like growing up like whenever we had relatives staying with us like whether they were just from as close as like seattle all the way to like coming from the the philippines i just like like really seeing that one of the best things that you can do for someone in your life is just to like open yourself to so like anything that na- they need and like offering to help them in any smaller big way um that's something that you know, when it's all said and done, if I can be like half the people that they are, then I'd be stoked on that. Um, so yeah, my parents, um, definitely big role models. Um, 
Linda, my partner, she's a, she's she's one of my role models and my best friends. Um, she has really just shown me because I'm a very like easy easy go. I try to at least be kind of like an easygoing and casual person, and she's a very like she can like see through scenarios in her head you know what i mean and like and like really see the end game so i learned a lot from her in terms of like trying to balance like um trying to balance being trying to be easygoing and also like being smart about your decisions so she's she's one of my role models um any of my friends that are like pursuing anything creatively so mitch obviously you're in that list melody you're in that list now um Two huge fist bumps happening right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like when you get to a certain point, you can you can kind of just like be okay uh, with with the money and the time and like okay, I don't need. I can you know I can kind of veg out when I get home and blah blah blah. But it's kind of like to to have the motivation to do literally anything else. It's like not you think about it. I don't. That's like. The majority of people right i i think that the people that are still doing artsy things is like is still the minority in this in the grand scheme of things and so yeah why do you think it's still such a minority is it like is it something hard about it or i don't know i i think and maybe maybe i'm painting it with too broad of a stroke but i i feel like the the default slash easy st- easy thing is still to kind of go through what I kind of call like a checkbox life. You know what I mean? It's like mm. you graduate high school, you graduate college, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like, if you're, and that's great. like, if that's for you, like more power to you. Um, and so maybe, maybe that's what it is. And I, I, I don't know. I have to wonder like, I don't know if I know the answer to that question because it's like sometimes I'm like I don't I don't know 100% like why I have this drive or why my friends have this drive to like go out and do this thing like it's kind of like I like to think about things like if we were invaded by by an alien species one day right and and then they learn like oh yeah a lot of these humans they will just like make sounds they'll just they'll just create these sounds for no reason and then like people will gather in a room and listen to sounds that other people made and it's like that's kind of like fucking crazy if you think about it um yeah <laughs> that just sounds like someone coming from someone who's done a lot of drugs that that's okay <laughs> you know people are allowed to do drugs yeah i think there are a lot of you know answers to that question you know there's yeah. the quote unquote easy way of experiencing it but not participating it in the sense of like vegging out and watching tv or netflix show or you know listening to music they're not necessarily participating in the creation of art and i think it's also scary to a lot of people because Mm. art and its most basic form is self-expression so it's putting yourself out there and you know being like i like this thing i hope you like it too you know yeah i think that's scary to a lot of people you put yourself in a very like vulnerable state. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it is scary. Is extremely vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. You have to like realize that not everyone has the same taste as you. And it's like, that's okay. Like, yeah. 
I think when when you can get to a point when you like understand that like not everyone is gonna like the thing that you're sh- and you're like you're okay with that because it's like oh well I like it you know that's that's kind of like what's most important and that's like I've been I was I was talking to a friend about this I've as as hard as I can I've been trying to like stop saying that I like dislike or hate things and I've been just trying to say that it's like not for me and it's that's not even coming from like a like a PC not trying to offend people thing. I think it's just really true. Like if someone shows me something and and it doesn't like really resonate with me, I probably just don't have the frame of reference or the experience necessary or the context around it to really appreciate it. You know what I mean? And so it's like I I'm try I I don't know how to like make amends for the things that I've hated on in the past. <laughs> but it's like now at least I understand that it's like whether it's anything from like a TV show to music or anything like that, like if, especially for like popular things, like if something, if there's, if some, if something out there has like a huge following and a huge fan base, like if it's giving those fans joy, like why would we hate on that? You know what I mean? It's totally big time. Yeah. I think that's great. I agree. I think that that's another reason why I think people in the arts are so great because they think a lot, like that most of the time and they're really respectful and i think that level of respect for other artists like whether or not they understand fully what they're going for Mm -hmm. um that level of respect for the the practice or the art or the uh, self-expression as you were talking about earlier is really really what's what's probably making uh people in this this space uh that much more kind and and welcoming yeah yeah i think so too um and we can all like learn from each other blend styles and i think that that's like something that is is kind of unique starting with our generation is is this idea that like we kind of grew up on the internet and so we didn't like we weren't limited just to the kinds of music and the kinds of movies that we were immediately exposed to like we could mm-hmm. go find new things and so now yeah i don't know it's like the world that led us to to old town road right yeah. like a like a country trap song it's just like I know. Right. I know that like that's probably like uh, a cliched reference at this point, but it really is kind of like a perfect example of just like the blending of all these styles. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I no, mean, you, we literally have the world at our fingertips. We can search and do anything. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Awesome. So we've we've actually got a series of kind of speed questions okay. to close out that we're we're thinking about doing. Uh, with everybody so we're going to test them out with you i think yeah um who have you learned the most from my mom what have you learned it's not about me that's what i've learned from my mom what resource have you learned the most from man these are good questions what resource have i learned iMessage i have to uh can you expand on that yeah um (laughs) So at the, at the beginning of the year, I like deleted, like outright deleted and deactivated like my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, everything. Um, and so I've seen that just like my like one-on-one or like one to group chat conversations. I've like, that's how I like stay in touch with people now. And so I kind of like, I message to me as a resource because like, that's like what most of my friends and family are on. And so, you know, I'm trying to learn as much as or that's who I learn from the most is the people that are in my life. And so that yeah that's it's become a learning tool okay yeah i love that um so uh what keeps you up at night impact go ahead and elaborate on that you want me to elaborate on that one yeah (laughs) 
Um, sorry, I thought it would be quick, They're but these are, these are so good, Joe. It's, it's kind of something that I talked about earlier is that like, I think the more, the more people that you help in this world, the bigger an impact that you have. And that's, that's the main thing I'm, I'm trying to do. That's awesome. You're such a cool human being. Like, no, I'm trying to figure this shit out, you know, (laughs) but you're figuring out the shit so good. (laughs) Yeah, but you care. That's the thing is that it's like, you know, you are doing things not just for yourself, but for everybody, for the world, for a bigger, you know, not just for you. Like, like you said, your mom told you that it doesn't matter. It's not all about you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It all comes back to moms. Exactly. They're great. (laughs) (laughs) this episode has been brought to you by moms and mothers across the world oh our mom is gonna love it um our mom is the only one that listens to every single episode yeah we haven't even started yet don hollis thanks for listening don you're the you're the best the real mvp the mom (laughs) yeah very what what what, what's your mom's name again florence florence yeah that's a good name yeah yeah um what's crazy too is she's a nurse um and, and yeah so like florence nightingale florence blah 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 yeah yeah florence machines <laughs> yeah, that's, what, yeah, I, that's yeah. what i that was my first thought i was like that would be a great halloween costume for her. be florence and the machines <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and and what what's your dad's name before i forget that too my dad's name is noriel oh my gosh noriel and they florence were, that's awesome yeah. yeah cool couple yeah shout out to florence and noriel Quanin. you guys are the yeah. best they are the best Look what you did. You created this guy. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll go to a, a slightly less uh, deep question that I'm sure that you can, you can make pretty, pretty solid. Uh, what's your favorite piece of art right now? And that can be Ooh. music, movies, TV, any of those. Favorite piece of art right now. I'm going to cheat and go on, this, my, go on my Spotify so I can tell me what I've listened to the most. I want to pick something, something music. Um, swimming by Mac Miller, his last album before he passed away. That's, mm. th- that's been, that's, that one has really stuck with me. And I, I listen to it at least once a day, probably. Yeah. It's a great album. What what does that make you feel? So I, I got into Mac when I was in, um, with his, with his first kind of like breakthrough mixtape kids. And it's kind of interesting. Cause I feel like I had kind of like, I was going through my own, like, growing up stuff alongside him you know what i mean like sid and this is one of the coolest things about about artistry and following artists is that like you see their growth path and so like with each subsequent project that he put out like seeing seeing his personal growth and the stuff that he was struggling with um it's it's really interesting because and melody you brought up the kind of like the vulnerability vulnerability aspect of it and like he Mm -hmm. was a very vulnerable guy in his music and very honest about like his struggles with love and addiction and stuff like that. And so with each project, um, it kind of, um, it was interesting to see that. And I remember swimming dropped because he was in the press a lot with, you know, the relationship that he was in and just mm-hmm. like, and like the accidents and stuff like that. And I remember as a fan, when swimming came out, like one of the first things that I thought of after listening to it, I was like, Oh, I think he's okay now. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. uh, like, he was really, he like, you know, like, he had like like self care off that album was very like kind of like anthemic like we're we're gonna be okay or or whatever and and that kind of thing, um yeah. and yeah and then you know obviously unfortunately he uh, he passed away very shortly after that album came out but it's like 
he uh, he he still kept going through all of it, even though it had a very unfortunate ending. Like I think, like kind of like the worst was behind him in terms of like his struggles and stuff like that, you know. And now that we're learning what really happened there, it was just like you know it was an accident. It wasn't something that he like intended to do. Hmm. And so that album has really stuck with me because it it was kind of like a, a light at the end of the tunnel kind of sonic soundscape to me. So yeah, that's that's my favorite piece right now. All right, back to a deep question. I thought that was supposed to be a light one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Glad you took it there. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it, that's what art is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you think. It's supposed to make you feel. So I yeah. Mean, a case in point right there. So what inspires you the most? Damn, these are so good. Um, movement. I'll just expand on that automatically because mm-hmm. that's super vague. <laughs> um, I, I've had this conversation with with a friend before that, like, when you when you show someone music or something like that, I try to pay less attention to to words and more to like body language and actions when I show someone music. Because if I show someone something and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's cool, man. I really like it." Blah blah blah. If they like, if they like, didn't move at all, if they didn't like bob their head or dance or anything like that, I'm like, oh, he's they're they're just being nice, you know what I mean? But it's like if I show something to someone and they're they're at least like bobbing their head or they're like full on dancing, like that is like a drug to me is to like be able to show someone something that you made and for them to like for for them to feel it so much that it externalizes itself in movement is that's a big inspiration for me. That's great. I I really like that too because it's. It's not even just the arts that kind of do that. It's I feel like some people may have a different experience, but I, I, I have the same kind of feeling where like if somebody's really like in agreement or like is really thinking about something, yeah. uh, it's not going to be verbally expressed. It's going to be like physically yeah. like shown through their movement. Like agreeing with somebody, like if you're nodding your head as something's happening, yeah. like you know that person's best. They're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. going through even the just same facial thoughts. expressions. Yep. Yeah. This this is something that um, I. I think we should talk about just even quickly is, is kind of like you for better, or for worse, you learn a lot about people dynamics and in, in kind of like the professional and the corporate world. You know what I mean? Like just things like, um, like teamwork and communication. And I think it's interesting because I do feel like that has helped me in the, the creative collaboration part of what I do outside of work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, everything from, being able to kind of interpret body language and facial expressions to managing different personality types, right? Because when we're in a conference room meeting, like the better that you can realize or understand that like the way that someone is, like if there's like, whether they're like hyper positive or hyper negative, like understanding that that's not necessarily about you, but you still have the responsibility to manage that in seeking this like shared objective like Mm -hmm. i feel like that has helped a lot with like putting together a band for example like when like with with each additional person there's kind of a complexity in personalities and communication styles and everything like that and i think it's like one of the hardest things to do is like not let that get in the way of the shared objective you know what i mean because it's like if you work with someone i'm not saying this is happening but if you're like working someone who's like brilliant at what they do but they're like super negative like i it's tough but it's like if if what their contribution um if 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 their contribution is like 
strong enough and they're at least like willing to like be be like not necessarily called out but like have that awareness that like hey man sorry like i just got kind of like lost it in there blah 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 like that is just that's such an interesting thing to me and i wonder if people who do the the creative stuff full time and having never had kind of like the professional and the corporate experience like i wonder how or to what degree they are able to kind of like pick up on that stuff hey guys thank you so much for listening if you like the show be sure to leave us a review on apple podcasts uh really helps us get found by other people that might enjoy the show as well and if you want to find out more about joe and his band luxury goods you can follow them on instagram at luxury goods but with no vowels so it's just lxrgds you can also go see luxury goods live at the love song bar in downtown la on sunday february 16th tickets are free and this band is super super good they're performing with a couple other groups and it's going to be a great event and if you guys want to keep up to date on all the things that we're doing throughout the week um feel free to follow us at the artistic pod on all the social medias thank you guys again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week see you